Uh, hello, Internet. You're now experiencing technical difficulties. Uh, this is an episode of Table Chatter as we have uh, Ray Cox, uh, Australian designer and van life enjoyer, uh, to talk about their uh, game, um, Build Your Make Our Own Heaven. Build Our Own Heaven would also be a fun title, but I feel like I would... that's like a more child friendly game. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> make, make is a little yeah. rawer sounding, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit more punk rock. Mm-hmm. Sure is. Uh, uh, hi, I'm Ray. Uh, I uh, often publish under the name Razor. Uh, I use uh, they, them pronouns, and I am coming to you from Awabakal and Waramai land uh, here in so-called Australia. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We know how it is. Living in America, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all lands. we're all we're all living in uh, we're all living on uh, in settler colonies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, I have I have actually, as you mentioned in your intro there, quickly, uh, I am in fact uh, a van life enjoyer. I've just completed uh, a a few months ago a drive pretty much around the entire continent as much as that is possible except mm-hmm. for tasmania and most of queensland um but uh yeah uh that was quite a quite an experience uh, and while i was doing that i was writing um make our own heaven which actually i started work on in 2021 uh, in mm, March or April when I was, when I had just arrived in Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, I decided that I was going to do that project as, um, as a, as a way to, uh, as an excuse really to teach myself about hiring other people. So it was my first project mm-hmm. where I hired an editor. I hired somebody to do layout and design the character sheets and I hired somebody to do uh, paintings uh, and illustration to go into the, uh, into the book. And that was my first attempt at, uh, at that. And then there were a few other things that were firsts as well. So like actually laying out a budget for a project and trying to mm-hmm. make said budget back Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. instead of previously all my projects had been so low budget that that didn't really matter. Pretty much they paid themselves off immediately. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this was a bit more, about $5,000 it took to produce. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Well, I, I mean, that's a I, so that's the first time you've got a you've worked with a budget, which is uh, pretty exciting and and also like again quite a step up from not from your previous not to say like dismiss your previous work. Uh, it's just a different different thing. Yeah, yeah? Right. it's it's yeah. of a different scale, right? And yeah, like with your previous work, there's stuff that you learned that. Um, made it into make her own heaven like was there anything particular from like stuff like erosia or live love die remember that ended up really helping you in making make her own heaven i think something that was really helpful from um 
from Live, Love, Die, Remember in particular was uh, knowing how big of a... How how many entries on a table can fit onto an A5 sheet of paper, which was the <laughs> format I chose for the book. So when we made Live, Love, Die, Remember, there's the main, like, prompts thing in that game where you, you roll for prompts or you, or you choose prompts off a list and then you um, you sort of, like, play those out. Uh, and those prompts, uh, I originally wrote 50... Uh, and then when I sent them over to my friend, uh, Finn for layout, cause we worked on that together, uh, they were like, Oh, um, this is too many. Uh, do either you need to make a hundred, um, so that it'll fit on like, uh, a, a larger spread or you need to shorten this down. And I'm like, how about 30? <laughs> And it's like, perfect. So I already knew how large the table at the back of uh, of Live, Love, D- uh, of uh, Make Our Own Heaven, sorry, needed to be uh, when I was designing, uh, when I was designing it. So there's a prompt at the back of, a prompt list at the back of uh, Make Our Own Heaven to give you like a place to start if you're doing a one shot uh, mm-hmm. or something. Um, and I knew immediately that that needed to be 30 entries um, because <laughs> anything larger wouldn't fit on an A5. Um, and we actually had some trouble fitting that onto an A5, but um, mm-hmm. by changing some wording, it ended up fitting, um, which was pretty uh, pretty perfect. Um, uh, but, yeah, probably the game that most influenced uh, Make Our Own Heaven in terms of design was my uh, um was my uh black skies for babylon game mm. which i actually started making after i had started making make our own heaven so i started making make our own heaven in march of last year and then for a game jam in like sep in august no july july of uh of uh, last year i made this game in like a week and it was actually my second idea for that jam like uh mm. and it was the one that i ended up finishing um and then i switched back to working on make our own heaven and i had all these like mechanics designed and the and i spent like a month looking at it as i was uh as i was attempting to uh to find parking uh parking overnight parking in perth uh, um, and, uh, and I realized that all the mechanics that I had already written for Make Our Own Heaven made it a very different game to what I had envisioned. I'd written a lot of mechanics about how you weaken the authority who are the, the, the shadowy organization that, uh, that created the characters Mm-hmm. um essentially uh they're they're like this adversary this this cyberpunk adversary and um i had all these i had all these mechanics about how you weaken their grip on the city and how you weaken their prestige and how you make their individual factions crumble and i'm like that's i thought this game was meant to be about when i had started designing it about like building community 
uh, and resisting, um, resisting not necessarily authority specifically, but resisting uh, uh, capitalist uh, encroachment on on uh, on communities. Um, and that just wasn't the game I had written mechanics for. <laughs> and I realized that I could take what I had created for Black Skies for Babylon and use that for Make Our in Heaven. And uh, and so a lot of the mechanics for, for Make Our in Heaven are essentially uh, more robust versions of, uh, of Black Skies for Babylon. Mm-hmm. Ah. yeah i've uh i've read blacks i i have black skies and that is a f- that's a fun little like one pager um and i do see like the lineage in terms of like you have you use the, the terminology obstacle for any kind of dice yeah. test uh a similar it's a it, it black skies uses a d6 instead of a d10 but similar dice pool that you assemble from your stats and specialties and all that um so yeah like i think I, I, yeah, I was and, thinking about black skies while reading make your own heaven, but I was like, mm-hmm. I was, I was, so I was curious about like uh, how it influenced the the design of the game. Yeah. And both of those are evolutions essentially, or progressions on um, a game that I made a few years ago that I have tweaked uh, a few times um, last night's on earth. Um, which just finally had its I'm not going to do any more to this now um, update where I added a fourth um, role to play, uh, changed the book's layout and refined some of the language. But that originally started as a um, big motherfucking crab truckers hack. And then I was like, I can, I can, I can make this a bit more robust. And I made it slightly more robust and a lot more my own. Uh, and then uh, refined and refined, and then Black Skies of Babylon was a further refinement on that, and um, and then Make Our Own Heaven even more so. And then I was about to do another further refinement on that. I started working on this game called Reclaim Eternity that was going to be like a heist game where you like have gear bags that you grab before you do a mission. Um, uh, and I ended up turning that game into a completely different thing because I came up with another game idea that was doing the evolution of Black Skies to Babylon thing a lot better, which is like a, a space combat game. And then I have another idea for another evolution of Black Skies to Babylon called uh, Defenders of Babylon. Um, but uh, all, of, all of these... I, whereas... Make our own heaven as an evolution of this system is like, how do we make this more about campaign play and more like long lived and a little bit less combat orientated. Um, Whereas these other evolutions are doing different things where it's pretty much always like the space combat thing that I designed is like, how do how can I make this more, complex without making it that much harder to learn and play because that's pretty much the 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 thing that uh lets black skies of babylon down is that it it fits under one page uh and a lot of the that space is devoted to uh rather nice character sheets 
all mm. things considered, and setting material to give you enough like narrative positioning that you can work out what to do to the point where I am now writing a second book that will be tacked on to the Black Skies of Babylon book that is MC advice because I realized that it is really hard to MC. <laughs> Very easy game to play and really difficult to MC. There's like two lines of text about how to run the game and it's like... <laughs> And I didn't yeah. realize how drastically different its framing was until I did playtests for, well, ran a few games of it, but also did playtests of Make Our Own Heaven. So through the mm -hmm. playtesting of Make Our Own Heaven, I discovered how different framing skill tests, for lack of a better phrase, as being defeating obstacles. So there's, there's no way <laughs> in Make Our Own Heaven as written to be like, oh, I'm going to like make a, make a test using my like knowledge of security systems to like try and work out uh, where I would place security cameras or whatever in a space. It's like, no, because the system is designed in a way that you use skills and abilities to overcome obstacles we have to change the entire like framing of scenes to be about what is in your way. What are you overcoming? So it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's a different way of emceeing. And I didn't realize how different that was until I ran it the first few times. And I'm like, Oh, this, yeah, somebody's, <laughs> somebody's like trying to make an ideas check role because they've played a bunch of other role playing games. I'm like, yeah, you can't, you can't do that that you have knowledge you have or you or you use it or you need to we need to frame it as an obstacle that you're mm -hmm. overcoming right um which it, it's not a failure of the system it's just you have to change the way you're approaching um exactly. that that uh mm -hmm. that narrative positioning it's changing that that sort of framing of ideas all right yeah I mean that that's a fascinating like discussion. I imagine like I don't know maybe it's because in a different server I've been in there's uh tons of uh there's tons of you know like we, there's a lot of discuss we have a lot of discussions about power but the powered by the apocalypse system which I, I think mm -hmm. is also which is also kind of a similar I think it, at least is is reframing like everything in a in a way that uh by like compressing everything into moves and kind of like de you know just puts the players in front of uh you know whatever task they need to do or yeah or yeah but, i definitely you know, kind of giving a broader saying. option yeah running a powered by the apocalypse game is also very different to like dnd or even fate mm -hmm. Or, yep. or like any sort of OSR thing, or red markets, which I know that you have lots of experience with, um, <laughs> as a as a show. Like, uh, yeah, like as much as all of those things are different to all of the other things listed, a lot of games follow this same um, this same formula of players want to do something activate mechanic on sheet to have thing happen whereas with black skies of babylon and make our own heaven 
it is very much the MC has to put something in your way mm-hmm. um, uh, or the players have to identify an obstacle. Uh, and so it is that framing things as obstacles um, that uh, that changes. And it's just a, diff- it's just a different right. way of thinking. Mm-hmm. In the same way that moves aren't like your individual action. Yeah. Uh, like it's, yeah. Make it, using volley in Dungeon World is not the same as a ranger in D&D sh- shooting their bow. Like it well, is. I think there's. It I is think... a, it's similar, but it's mm-hmm. a slightly different narrative positioning. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. My hot take on, on PBTA is that, on the PBTA system is that it kind of like demystifies, you know, I, I don't know, like I've listened to a bunch of YouTube videos about game design where they talk about like game design is when you design a game, you have a list of like verbs and really like, even though there's, there's a, when we think about like an RPG, you know, there's the, we all, there's a, a discourse about saying like, the sky's the limit with the RPG. You can do whatever you want, but like, you know, depending on the framing of the game, there's, you know, like you can run a murder mystery or like, uh, I don't know, real estate schemes in Dungeons and Dragons, but it, the mechanics are not set up for that. Right. So like you're at, yeah. The verb, it's not built with those kinds of verbs in mind uh, for gameplay. So, so I think like what's interesting about PBTA is that they just kind of said the the quiet part loud of those of about you know how a game works and that it's a back and forth between the you know using these verbs. Whereas here yeah, and- you can do the thing. It's just yeah. purely going into the dice of are the dice do you succeed or do you fail. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and there's actually like some design uh uh lineage in common here with uh, Powered by the Apocalypse. So obviously we have stuff mm-hmm. in the text for Make Our Own Heaven that is, I say obviously because these two have read the book. Uh, it's not obvious if you haven't read the book, but uh, within the text there's actually um, places where I talk about how, uh, talk about essentially fail forward, which is a thing that existed before Powered by the Apocalypse, but uh, definitely in the modern designer's toolkit that's sort of um, been popularized from, from Powered by the Apocalypse and people that have played it in the same way that roles and history uh, and, like, shared uh, background mechanics and stuff existed before Powered by the Apocalypse, but uh, the reason they exist in D&D 5th edition is because they were in uh, Dungeon World. Um <laughs> Uh, and I will. I I I would be impressed if somebody tried to argue otherwise, uh, because I don't see how you could uh, see that on those sheets and uh, and not realize why it is there. It yeah. is on the fifth edition sheet because it's on the Dungeon World sheet. Um, Very much. <laughs> and it is done much more poorly on the on the fifth edition sheet uh, because it's just a space to write relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Dungeon World has prompts that you're filling in with other characters, um, uh, but uh, but yeah, um, and we also have uh, some. There's some things in Make Our Own Heaven that are responses to Powered by the Apocalypse. So there's a section where I talk where we talk about how the the MC the facilitator doesn't normally need to roll but they can if that's helpful um, whereas often um, 
it is taken as gospel that Powered by the Apocalypse uh, MCs shouldn't roll or don't ever, never, never roll, which is um, the original designers of Apocalypse World actually said, we put that in the game because it made sense for Apocalypse World. There's no reason why that has to be true for every round <laughs> of the Apocalypse game. Um but uh, definitely in uh, in Make Our Own Heaven, while you don't normally need to make a role as the MC, there's a lot more. There's actual specific guidance in there about like you might need to. <laughs> right. Um, so here's what that would look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which we have been, uh, we've gotten quite a bit ahead. Uh, we've been talking a bit about Make Our Own Heaven. How would you describe Make Our Own Heaven? Yeah, we've been kind of yeah, we, the bush. I thought about <laughs> that when I mentioned the the authority about 15 minutes ago. I'm like, oh, we haven't actually talked about what the <laughs> setting is, what even the core premise is. So uh, that's, all that's good. a fair that's point. All good. Uh, so uh, Make Our Own Heaven is a game about uh, transgenic angel clones uh, that have escaped from a... Uh, secret laboratory into uh a city and are trying to make uh make a space for themselves in the city the the default setting of the game is um a few months after you have escaped which is to give the players a basically so that you don't have to role play out like finding clothes and 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 you don't have to play out all the like really crippling paranoia parts of that Mm. narrative because those first that first week out would have been horrible in in to play because that would be that would be like playing I feel like playing Eclipse Phase as people that just got re-sleeved from the fall, but got re-sleeved accidentally and have no context or support and have just been like thrown onto the streets of Mars mm-hmm. and have no fucking clue what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It would be a very, very time traveler's, uh, time traveler's wife from the perspective of the time traveler sort yeah. of situation different uh just yeah just just a different game in general yeah um, kyle reese from terminator yeah it's, he, got, yeah he got went through pretty 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 quick but well he had the yeah. advantage of of being like somewhat prepped uh yes. for the scenario even though he didn't know that he'd been prepped because from kyle reese's perspective it was sprung mm-hmm. on him at the last second whereas John had secretly been preparing Kyle Reese for a few years. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, and, uh, and it's kind of to further fantasticize the setting of, of make our own heaven. The city that you're in is a space station orbiting, uh, orbiting Jupiter called new heaven. Um, and it is this biotech capital of the, of the solar system it's sort of this like um kind of a corporate town where like these various biotech companies sort of do whatever they want and the and the uh the 
government of the city uh, supports and covers up for them. Uh, there's a lot of like espionage going on between those uh, those parties, but that's not necessarily what you're playing out. You're in this space, and a huge influence on Make Our Own Heaven in that regard is um, is the uh, James Cameron uh, biopunk TV show uh, Dark Angel, starring Jessica Alba. Um, and the dude that plays Dinozo on NCIS <laughs> as a very different character. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and a few other uh, people. Jens- uh, Jensen Eccles is also in it in season one and in season two, both times different characters. Um, uh uh, but yeah, uh, that's not about literal angel clones, though. That's just like a fun, like play on words. They're like transgenic uh, cat human super soldiers. <laughs> uh, whereas mine is more. Uh, we've got this angel DNA. We're going to Jurassic Park it to uh, to bring it to life. Or Superboy. You could also pull the, draw the comparison with Superboy being half Clark Kent, half uh, half Lex Luthor. Um, the, the, the angels within make our own heaven are, uh, have the broken pieces of their DNA filled in with, uh, with human DNA. Um, and that manifests in play by them not always looking like terrifying angels, um, Mm. having only partial access to their, uh, divine, uh, powers, uh, and occasionally developing um, glitches and uh, and stuff, which is again inspired by Dark Angel, but also my own experiences with disability. Um, and so you'll have these these uh, random kind of uh, things that interfere with you, um, and that's all just to give you more uh, more ways to make the to make complications and make the narrative more interesting because you are. You are essentially demigods um, <laughs> in human form, and so giving you giving you as many opportunities to like to have uh, have reasons to fail, um, and have reasons for the narrative to to evolve and be set back, um, and so yeah, it's 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 another facet of that thing where we have all these corporations and stuff doing their espionage in in new heaven but you're you're not like working for them that's just the backdrop to to your life like maybe somebody some corp tries to steal a nerve agent and uh and they accidentally spill it in uh in your uh district and now your district's on lockdown and everyone's sick and dying and you're for whatever reason immune and now you've got to try and synthesize a cure for everyone in before they all die. Um, that's the sort of like, like narrative. It's this, it is meant to be a, a slice of life power fantasy. It's not like an adventuring game. It's not, you're not, uh, you're not, it's not a heist game per se. Um, but it is, if you have, you are a member of this community, you have these superpowers, these divine gifts, how can you use them to help people out? And so like one of, even with the, in the setting up to MC the game section of the book, I talk about how 
for your fur after you've got everyone to make their characters and stuff the first thing you should do is probably like have someone be hassled by the cops or have them be behind on their um on their their uh gene therapy repayment or or whatever and so it's it's this it's this rather simple problem to solve it's like we need to make a thousand dollars in 12 hours so that this person doesn't get their DNA repossessed or whatever. Um, uh, How are we going to do that? Well, we're not going to do it legitimately, but, uh, but I guess we're going to, I guess we're going to go break into some penthouse and still steal some art or something. Um, uh, Yeah. And I, I think that's, uh, that, you know, uh, as you're kind of talking about, like, you know, the difference in terms of, like, what your player character's role is, whereas, you know, in a lot of, you know, in a lot of RPGs, you're you're the people who are doing the crazy heists and getting into gunfights with uh, cops on, you know, Neo Skywalks. Um, you know, instead, it, it's kind of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Red Markets in the sense that, like, the reason why you, you, your characters are, are not like already have done enough of that shit already because you know the the uh, angels and, and make your own heaven or yeah like they're they're you know they were they were made to do this this kind of stuff all the time they're like yeah, no I don't want to do that were, anymore yeah the authority like the the people, that, people yeah the authority that design the people that designed and built the the angels the player characters were. They were like, "Ooh, angel DNA. What are we going to use it for? Ooh, we'll make super soldiers." It's like, "Wow, that's a really boring use of this universe-changing discovery." Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. And so these these angels, these these kids, because you're 19 years old within the fiction, uh, have spent their entire life being experimented on and trained to be uh, thieves, spies, and uh, and uh, killers. And you finally manage to escape from that horrible upbringing, and it's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, one, that. no one wants to do, live that kind of life. <laughs> uh, which is, which I think is also, which is a nice, like, uh, you know, it's a nice change from, like, the normal, like, normal RPG. <laughs> case where you are the the people who for whatever reason are uh you know or, or like and again in red markets we're like we're playing with that trope by like right. you know where the whole point of the game is to not be doing this anymore mm-hmm. um, yeah definitely the boldest choice in terms of design for red markets i feel in like holistic design um is the fact that the purpose the stated goal of characters within red markets is to stop being a player player. character is to retire. Like you are struggling to get to a point one, it's got a built in definitive end goal, which many role-playing games do not have. And in fact, even make our own heaven does not have a definitive end goal. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, that's one of the strongest things about red markets. In my opinion is this whole idea of like, you don't, this sucks. Doing this yeah. sucks. It's exciting for us 
as players of a game, mm. but yeah, living live this life them. would be horrible and you exactly. want to stop doing it as fast as possible. Um, which is why you take risks. Like, it's a beautiful... Like, the way it folds back into the mechanics of the game is quite brilliant. Mm. They're all like... Yeah, this is horrible. You want it sucks. You want to stop doing it. So take even bigger risks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I think also yeah. like uh, I think also like maybe not having a stated end goal kind of also makes sense for make your make our own heaven because like you know a community is just a community. Like it doesn't you know the I mean like it just needs to continue existing. Exactly. And, yeah, and and uh, definitely a like. A a message that could have been stated a bit more uh, strongly mm-hmm. within Make Air in Heaven, but you know there was a page limit. Um, is that the work of community building is never finished? No. Like there is no end point. Even if you even if you did a campaign where you killed all of the council members of the authority, uh, and then uh, you know held this the the station hostage and forced EarthGov to uh, rescind all claims to the Jupiter territory and made Jupiter this like anarchist free state um of of perfect uh post scarcity community or whatever um there would still be work to do. That now you're yeah. in a transitional state. Like, yep. first of all, that's a terrible campaign idea. But if that's what happens in your campaign, like, and you're listening to this, like, oh man, I accidentally removed all the tension. Didn't. Now you're going to deal with EarthGov trying to infiltrate the yep. the station again and take it over. Yep. Like, look at look at Deep Space Nine for for, uh, for if you want. Like that is set after the Federation has won and freed this station and like halfway through that show's run, what happens? It gets taken back again and they have to take it back again. again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because it is this contested space. Like heaven, New Heaven is the most lucrative city in the solar system, it makes more money from its bio uh, tech industry than the entirety of Jupiter's uh, resource market, which is like the reason you would colonize Jupiter is to harvest helium fuel. And yet this bio, this within the fiction, the biotech industry makes more money per year per quarter than uh, than all of the resource mining industries of Jove. That is how lucrative this industry is. Mm-hmm. And that is the authority will do whatever is possible to maintain it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Certainly living through some parallels here in yep. 2022. Yeah. Yeah, one of the one of the people that consulted the editor for the game actually has like a bit of a background in like political sciences and economics in particular, and like they were talking about how um, there was a draft of the game where we explicitly referred to um, to New Heaven as a banana republic, but we couldn't find a way to say that be- without it feeling um, very colonialist. 
because even the term Banana Republic feels like very American, America's benefit centric. Like, yeah, it is yeah. positioning this in this entire concept is is uh, based around how how nice it is for America. Um, and so uh, we ended up using other terms instead, but it is it's very much this case where EarthGov lets New Heaven exist because it gets uh, everything it wants out of it, and there and the authority allows uh, EarthGov to uh, claim it as territory because then the authority gets to uh, sell biotech shit to Earth. Uh, uh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, and and the goal of the authority is to extract as much wealth from Jove as possible. Um, yeah, <laughs> and they have they have their forces to to do that. They have the uh, the three main arms of the authority that the players are likely to run into are the uh, task force Decker, who are actual. Uh, Black Ops uh, Corp soldiers um, who have been tasked with bringing in the uh, characters and covering up uh, the escape at all costs. Um, uh, they're like the, do you want to have a gunfight this session um, <laughs> faction? Yeah, you want to be able to vaporize um, some uh, Spec Ops ninjas with your angel fire? Yeah, exactly. Do you want to pull a fucking uh, divine laser gun out of your chest like a weird rose? Um, it's time. Uh, and then you have the the special division of the police, who are sort of very much inspired by the uh, narcotics squad in Ghost in the Shell. Um, so in Ghost in the Shell section far, so the Jason the Shell normally focuses on Section 9, but there's a few episodes in Standalone Complex where they have run-ins with Section 5, who are essentially narcotics-focused, and pretty much they're all, like, running drugs. Like, it's it's your standard, like, narcotic squad in fiction thing. Like, who's the biggest... Uh, uh, who's the biggest drug gang in town? The cops. Um, that's pretty much the whole vibe of of um of the special uh what is it it's the special duties division special duties division yeah the SDD <laughs> um they yeah their whole thing is we 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 run errands for the city council and in return we get to do crime <laughs> <laughs> um it's very much a we have your blackmail and you have ours uh, situation with them. And then you have by far the hardest one to play, I think, is the um is health and safety, who I didn't realize till after the book was published are a anti-vax conspiracy. <laughs> like it is oh, exactly yeah. the kind of thing that anti-vaxxers yeah. are uh, are scared of um and I didn't think about it when I was writing it I mm. was just uh I was just thinking about uh 
how this would work in in, uh, it has in been a corrupt a city like this. Yeah. It has been a very long two years. Yeah. But, well, health and health and safety are the uh, are kind of like the CDC for for New Heaven and Jupiter at, uh, at large, uh, and they uh, they outwardly claim to be are serving uh the people of jove and and providing free health care or whatever but it's pretty much just a front um the 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 clinics are not actually really free um they come with a lot of like uh circumstantial fees and stuff but they also are a front for um stealing uh uh, the genetic property of uh, individuals. Uh, so uh, people, whenever you go in for anything at HNS, they check your DNA, and if you have a weird anomaly in it that they can exploit, they will uh, they will steal uh, your DNA and use it to like develop a weird vaccine or whatever. But also, they cover for, and by far this is the more important part is they cover for um, the corporations uh, within New Heaven um, when they fuck up. So, uh, and they also control, like, quarantines and stuff. So, like, if if they detect that there's the weird angel DNA code that's been flagged in a district, they can lock the whole thing down and put it into quarantine and then they can send in their... Uh, their uh, quarantine officers to search building by building for uh, for the people with the genetic anomaly. Um, the yeah, uh, it's it's very much a thing where after the fact, I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, maybe maybe do another pass on that because I think because you know, like, well, you know, then all you just need to do is change it to bureaucratic horror as opposed to like the the secret. You know, bureaucratic and you know uh, negligence and uh, apathy. Um, I don't mind kind of what I, it is. Yeah, no, definitely. Nice. I don't mind what it is. To be clear, uh, I'm perfectly fine with what it is. I just didn't really. I don't know. I feel like if I uh, if I was doing it again, um, I would be like, "Hey, make sure that this that it's clear." Yeah, you don't you don't go into those waters. Yeah, which is reasonable, and like you know, in because I because like there you know because I hear back and forth on this, where like you know there are like genuine problems with like you know the healthcare industry, especially I mean especially in the U.S. that like you know in part is what pushes people into these like insane conspiracies is because they're trying to what they're trying to do is you know uh, figure out the contradictions of why these systems aren't working the way that they're told they're supposed to work. And I think like, yeah, leaning and, I mean, into, and, and that's, you know, that's why that should, you know, people go into those waters. Yeah. And even with the, the, the comparison of how HNS is kind of like the CDC mixed with every other, um, like, uh, public service. Like they also do firefighting. The HNS also mm-hmm. does the firefighting for the station. Um, like, the CDC is not also not immune to government pressure, like yeah. uh, CDC contradicting its own uh, own guidelines because of political pressure. Mm-hmm. 
and that is that is a fault of that is not a fault of like government uh, bodies or um, or centralized uh, centralized healthcare or anything like that. That is a fault of having these uh, bodies be beholden to capitalist systems. Because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you no you can't separate the fact that the CDC is a arm of the U.S. imperialist government that is run by capitalists. They're Zarina, always telling us that, oh, everything's fine now. It, yeah, you don't need to wear masks. Yeah, that. Also, masks. Uh, what, Please what, go back to your offices. Also, uh, all the, the drama in, in the U.S. with, you know, regulatory capture, uh, all the stuff of yeah. like, why couldn't we get any tests out in time? Well, it turns out there's a guy who... Uh, really, the guy in charge of proving those works for the two companies that got the, uh, the the approval for it. Well, that's a very interesting. And connection. we we had we had stuff like that in Australia too, right? Like we had this yep. thing where the uh, the New South Wales government wasn't. That's the state that I normally live in and mm-hmm. am in today. Um, we had this thing where they Sydney, the capital city of New South Wales, and the one of the two largest cities in the country um, was having so many COVID uh, outbreaks that they just stopped including reporting on the COVID outbreaks in Sydney in the announcement announcements and daily briefings about COVID in the state because there were so many hotspots that they were like, well... Essentially, Sydney's just pinging constantly with hotspots, so we're just going to not mention it anymore and focus on everywhere else, um, which is really was really bad. And that's just like one example. I'm sure we could I could come up with way way more. Like the fact that I have been through every state's um, so all the states in Australia introduced uh, in. 2020 and continuing into 2021 and to a little bit into 2022 that's being phased out they all had um interstate check-in systems where when you were crossing the border you had to like get approval um to show that you hadn't been that you are not likely to have been exposed to uh uh covid uh and and what uh whatnot uh, <laughs> new south wales system just completely shit compared to every other's like uh uh ignoring completely ignoring the fact that like all the states around them had had declared the entire state of new south wales a hotspot i didn't have to do any kind of check-in to get into new south wales when i was coming back i just was allowed to drive straight in uh whereas i had to every other state I had to do check-ins in and in some I had to apply like a week or two in advance wow. uh, to be allowed in. Uh, and New South Wales is just like, yeah, drive in. Um, it's fine. Um, just, yeah. Or not closing uh, large festivals until the last possible minute. Yeah. I literally had a friend who was a, f- a photographer and was heading to a festival in uh like 12 hours away to take photos there and it got cancelled and 
like oh. 12 hours before it opened an hour before they arrived to start oh. setting up. Um, and that's the kind of incompetence that you would see in New Heaven. It's not that they can't do these closed down things. It's that they will try and maximize profit. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Like, how can... Yeah, like, lockdowns all the time and fines for everybody in in uh, in Lotus, but we're never going to lock down Centro because Centro is where all the rich people live. Um, yeah. They get to do what they want, um, which is a thing we saw in Australia. We saw the 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 wealthy suburbs of Sydney uh, f- facing almost zero policing of uh, of COVID restrictions, and the poorer inner western western suburbs. Uh, facing massive over policing, like you couldn't walk down the street uh, during lockdown in uh, in some parts of Western Sydney without police stopping you. Whereas you could go to Bondi Beach. There were days where there were like thousands of people on that beach and cops walking through the suburb along that promenade, not stopping anyone. Because why would they? <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think I remember seeing photos and similar photos from here in America. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's that, uh, that frustration is, uh, you know, why we, why we make game just to kind of like shift so that we're not on, on, uh, politics yeah, no, definitely channel that frustration. Yeah. That that's costs, why we make like, this stuff. And, uh, that causes <laughs> frustration into new heaven. Like that particular example in like, for for one is really good fodder for new heaven like if there was yeah put a put like a fucking weird viral outbreak in one of your sessions and have your players be constantly harassed by cops because they're trying to get to their jobs like that's the vibe Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. how do we (laughs) we're gonna solve this pandemic because the cops won't stop harassing us like you could do that as a multi-session Mm-hmm. Um, session obstacle, a multi-session obstacle. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> break that down into like forty different obstacles. Nice. And then also part of, uh, I guess we're gonna kind of to also shift into the goals. Part of it is also yeah. in it, trying to imagine, like, in in terms of your goals for designing, make our own heaven. Part of it is also imagining a, a better alternative. Yep. To because you know through the this uh you know, to a, you know, heavily capital, you know, financialized uh, capitalist system. Yeah. That's only like, just like two or three steps away from our own reality. Um, yeah, and there, yeah, are like, places, there are places like new heaven on earth, like right now, like it's not mm-hmm. really that, that weird. The fantastical part is the, the angels, the being in orbit over Jupiter and the, uh, and the happening to like get, to get your DNA scanned to go to the gap, like that's the weird. That's the that's the futuristic part, not the not the capitalist stuff. Like it's not really that big of a big of a change. And similar, it is not that big of an ask to imagine all the systems of support that are within mm-hmm. uh, within New mm-hmm. Heaven. Like a big a big part of the rewrites for New Heaven was realizing that I had talked a bunch about like intentional resistance and and being a and being like a a a good member of your community 
and working with the people there, but I hadn't actually talked about what that was. And so we went in and re uh, added a section, sadly only a page long, but still talking about how this isn't a game about starting the revolution. This is a game about participating in the ongoing resistance. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have angelic superpowers. There are people that have been doing this longer than you have been alive. Um, and they do it every day, seven days a week, or whatever the cycle is on Jupiter. Um, and they do it without superpowers. Like, mm-hmm. And so we tried to create a a suggestion of a history of this resistance by talking about... Uh, talking about that and talking about like what it means to like help the community, like something that is really, really stuck with me from some of my early days. That's the wrong way to phrase that from some discussions with actual activists Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and community support people was that it's important not to fracture resources so when you see a problem in your community that you want to fix like oh there's a bunch of like homeless people being harassed in this particular suburb by the police how can we reduce that um don't your first instinct for many young uh young activists is to go and make a group to 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 fight this your, that shouldn't be your first response. Your first response should be to find out if someone is already doing that doing work. Mm-hmm. Because it is better to team up with them than for you to make a new thing. Because that fractures the resources and it fractures mm-hmm. your power. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you join with them, one, you can draw on their experience because they've already been doing this. And two, you can add uh, your resources together instead of having this compartmentalized resource. And that way you also like reduce competition, um, for resources as well. Mm -hmm. So if you are trying to like gain grants to help people or try to do fundraising and stuff, um, yeah, it's going to work better if you have a larger organization, if you're pooling those resources together. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And that uh, and that's something that we try to talk about a little bit in in um, in Make Our Own Heaven uh, in that section. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just thinking about the the comment that I got on the itch page where somebody was like, uh, "Is this game actually fun to play, or is it just a bunch of like?" Uh, or is it just a bunch of like political wank? That's not their exact wording, obviously, but that's yeah. the vibe of their thing. And then I like went and checked their profile, and it's just them making a bunch of those similar comments, basically, be like, yeah. "Oh, there's a lot of talk about how this game's anti-capitalist, but uh, I can't help but notice it. You're asking people to pay money for it, um, <sighs> uh, which yeah, is also like a comment yeah. that." Yeah, it's also a comment that uh, that Etten got on um, Paul got on um, Hardwired Island. Somebody yeah, made the comment of made the comment of, "Oh, your game is your game is critical of capitalism, yet you engage in it." I am very smart. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, my man, we're asking you to pay money for a game. 
Um, that yeah, we our labor has worth because if we yeah, pour our work into the message it, of the whole damn game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both both games, in fact. There's actually a reference to Hardwired Island in um, Make Our Own Heaven. Um, I actually name drop uh, Grand Cross Station at one point uh, in the in the talk about how heaven so a problem that i had when writing new heaven was that i didn't have the budget to involve creators um uh or i didn't have had a word i didn't have the budget to hire other creators to add to the text and something that i really would like to have done if i'd had a larger budget was hire um people from uh southeast asia the philippines in particular uh and and from uh, from uh, other other colonized countries around the world uh, to get their opinion on and, and contribute to the world building of uh, of Make Our Own Heaven to make it feel like a place that were like to make it feel like a city that was built by a diaspora. Um, because that's mm-hmm. sort of what I always imagined it as. Um, mm-hmm. had, mm-hmm. Couldn't afford to hire people, unfortunately, so I sort of just had to leave blank spaces and allow people to fill that in. And yeah. a component of that was talking about how heaven is – there's a there's a paragraph or two that talks about how heaven is made up of um, people from many ethnicities and cultures and – uh, religions and genders, and uh, and then there's a part that talks about them being from us all across the solar system. And I mentioned that there's people from uh, Grand Cross uh, Station and uh, and the Oort Cloud and Ceres and all those fun mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, nice. And I think, like you know, that's a. I think that's like a. I'm I'm a big fan of. Uh, I think as as I've probably talked about before, like how Mothership often writes its its you know keeps everything in negative space. And I also feel like you know it, you could you know that the just like all the the setting material for New Haven. I mean, like that all that is kind of like worth it just to just like you've you've really fleshed out a really great setting. Um, that can also be used in like any other kind of game, but, um, yeah, I, it would be interesting to see somebody try and run, uh, use new heaven as a setting for something else. I mean, you could definitely put new heaven into a, into eclipse phase as a space station, mm-hmm. uh, around Jupiter. That'd be, that'd be weird. I feel like this would be, could be part of the Jovian Republic pretty easily. Like <laughs> oh, a weird, sure. uh, sort of like how, uh, the scum swarms are used in eclipse phase, how they're sort of like these in between places when they stop. And then it's sort of almost like Hong Kong, how Hong Kong for a long time and even persisting into the modern era was like this, it's China, but it's not China thing where a bunch of the rules about economics were relaxed. Um, I feel like you could add new heaven to, uh, to the Jovian Republic as this sort of like, gray zone this buffer area where mm-hmm. where where the rules are different um oh sure and jupiter is also where christianity mostly still remains how would that factor in when there's literal angels and half angels yeah, yeah that 
that that's a that's a question I'm I'm very curious to ask is why angels because as you've kind of mentioned before when like you referenced Dark Angel, I mean yeah. like you know there's plenty of of pop culture things of of superhuman experiments running off to go you know do their own thing uh you know i kind of thought of akira and like you know it's a it's a pretty common trope but like normally they there's like a science fiction explanation where you know they just they just did the gene technology you know genetic engineering yeah, we just chuck some animals in a blender with you. Yeah, DNA. we 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 did we did oh, the, the DNA, but uh, you know, just saying like, oh yeah, we found angels. Also, um, is a really interesting addition to that. So uh, yeah, could you uh, tell us how you kind of like came to that addition and kind of uh, why? To, via, via kind of two paths. So I've always found angels um, in pop culture really interesting. Um, Movies like Gabriel and Legion, and then that TV show that was technically based on uh, Legion, um, which I think was called like Sanctuary or something, um, or or that John Travolta movie Michael about the archangel Michael living on a farm in like rural America and a news crew coming to interview him. Um, yeah, that's that's a fun movie. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, stuff like that. Uh, I've always, I've always sort of found like pop culture's depiction of angels really interesting. I mean, even the prophecy uh, to a degree, um, mm-hmm. which tries to do a bunch of science fantasy stuff as well with the uh, with the way the angels' bodies look to humans. Um, but the biggest influence on why I wanted to, uh, why I included angels, was this Netflix anime called "Be the Beginning." which has the which has like four different great concepts for an anime in it mashed together uh um so so like it combines that like you if you separated out all of the different premises you would have a few great shows right so one is uh this idea of a small island in the Mediterranean that is uh, very wealthy and has its own uh, uh, normal police force and then has the royal police force who, like, investigate capital crime. Uh, and, uh, and that's sort of about this crime wave happening in this very near future city. Uh, like to the point where you almost don't notice the futuristic elements like weird, weird advanced tanks and stuff. Um, that's one premise that you could have. So it's got that. And then it's got this weird supernatural killer is murdering these weird supernatural dudes and they're differently supernatural. They're not the same supernatural. They're not even like werewolves and vampires supernatural. One's like gold-fueled maniac psycho killers with superpowers, and the other is weird organs from beyond the stars killers. Um, and they're, one's trying to control the other, Right. And then the other premise turns out this weird serial killer dude who's killing all these other serial killers is actually collecting organs 
from the other weird organ dudes, but not the weird gold fueled super dudes, uh, and integrating those organs into his body because he is the clone of an angel that has been prophesied to be created by man on a black stone tablet on a mountain in this random island kingdom. Uh, <laughs> and the it turns out that the wealth of this random island kingdom comes from the centuries of people from across Earth paying money to come and try and work out what the Blackstone tablet is. And then this Sherlock Holmes-style kid who grew up to be the big important detective uh, was the one who finally cracked it and enabled his dad to clone angels. Oh, good. Well, I heard that show was like a mess, and it, it kind of it, it sounds like, again, like... Look, it's got three pretty yeah. interesting premises in it. Oh, yeah, when it and, and, and yeah, and obviously it makes it better because when they're uh, all and so together. like uh, and so if you're asking me why why is uh why is make our own heaven about literal angels because I wanted the angel plot of be the beginning to be better. Sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, I took that and made it better. I even included the stone tablet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with with writing from the angels on it, I just didn't put a prophecy in there. It's a yeah. it's a note from these two uh, these two angels to a potential future. Um. Uh. But uh. But yeah, it was. I was motivated by how how messed up that show's execution was. And and again, I there's a lot of things that are enjoyable about that show. Of course, yeah. And the writing isn't actually that bad. It's just that these these three premise like you take out one. The weird suit gold super soldiers, gold fueled super soldiers doesn't need to be in there. Um <laughs> keep the angel thing uh or get rid of the angel thing and have all of the like weird crime spree stuff be related to these weird super soldiers. Like, right. yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really want them to get rid of the cop thing. The cop thing was actually very compelling, especially with mm-hmm. the way that that narrative goes, but we're not here to talk about be the beginning, but that is the reason that, that uh, make our own heaven is about mm-hmm. angels. I wanted to, I've always found angels really compelling Mm-hmm. Um, for reasons that are, are kind of beyond me. I think it's because I like the idea of a being that is built to be uh, be a servant of good uh, and the idea that angels... There's a great moment in the movie Legion and it is probably the only good moment in the movie, movie Legion. I just don't <laughs> think that's a very good movie and I really love Dennis Quaid and Paul Bettany. Um, but, uh, it's just not very good. Um, but I really love this moment where like the premise of that movie is, and I'm very quickly with this is that God decides that it's time to kill all humans and mm-hmm. the arc, the, the archangel Gabriel's not an archangel in actual fiction, but whatever the, uh, in actual, uh, biblical scholarry, but whatever in the, in, in most, uh, <laughs> Most modern depictions, Gabriel is an archangel. So the archangel Gabriel uh, turns to his brother. I think it's it's no, it's actually Michael. Sorry, Michael turns to Gabriel um, when uh, when uh, when Michael comes. Uh, when Gabriel comes, is like we're gonna we're gonna kill we're gonna kill the humans. 
Michael. Uh, Michael's like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, and uh, and there's a great moment. I think it's after Michael re-resurrects himself. Um, and uh, and Gabriel's like, why, why, how, how? And uh, and uh, and Michael says, um, you told him. I think Gabriel actually says like I was a I was a good son or whatever. And Michael says, You told him what he wanted uh to hear instead of what he needed he to hear. Yeah. And so like and I like that I I really like that premise of like angels being so devoted to the cause that they would actually defy God because it's actually not in line with what is best for mm. uh, for reality, um, which we do actually see normally the other way around, where God's like, oh, no, humans are great, and then the angels are like, no, nah, this is stupid. You have given you've given a monkey anxiety. <laughs> uh, this is bad. We're getting rid of this. Um, whereas, um, whereas I much I really like that idea of of angels turning against God because God has lost his way. Mm-hmm. Um, I l- really do love uh, a, a, a good uh, God has become uh, become evil uh, plot line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea of, 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 um, of automatons, essentially, because that's what angels are within mm-hmm. biblical scholarly. They're robots. Um, I like the idea of of uh, of them defying their programming essentially to uh, to fight for what is right, and I love the idea of things that intrinsically know what is right and being incapable of being being repulsed by doing what is wrong, and that not being actually tethered to like sins and and uh and whatever but being tied to some sort of some sort of morality beyond what we connect with through uh through through religion um mm-hmm. uh yeah. yeah i think uh angels are definitely cuz uh, you know, obviously, fallen angels definitely uh, some of the best angels to have have stories be about. Although my second favorite is also angels in the world of an absent god, uh, which yeah, you know, angels as like okay, well, we're like these immensely powerful beings, but you know, we serve a specific purpose, and like, what what do we do now that? you know, we're not hearing the, you know, now that the orders aren't coming from on high anymore or, yeah. you know, like uh, I also think about in, in uh, the Sandman when the uh, Dumas and the other angel get like, have to be like thrown out of, they have in order to take custody of over hell from Lucifer, they have to actually be, they're technically be fallen. And they're like, what <laughs> we God kicked this out <laughs> by doing the thing that he wanted us to do. No, it's also, right. uh, it's also the premise of the angels uh, trying to destroy earth in, uh, in supernatural. So mm-hmm. God has disappeared, and they're like, "Well, we'll just continue on with this maintenance." Yeah, it's a great line in that where one of the angels talks about how 
um, Earth isn't the only planet in creation with life on it. And I'm like, that's 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 a great bit of world building because they hint they talk about this isn't the first planet we've had to wipe all life out of. Um, <laughs> this is where this is old hat to us, uh, humanity. Um, and that's also the premise of uh, prophecy. Um, mm-hmm. we also see it a little bit in the Constantine movie. I think, I don't know if it's necessarily mm-hmm. an absent God so much as a, yeah, there's, a, a there's like a fine line between absent and like being purposefully not, you know, staying away from the backseat. I, th- I think God in Constantine is very much like, look, I built this city and now I'm done. That's yeah. all of my work done i'm not taking sides i'm not doing anything else i'm not involved from now on um Mm -hmm. i am here to be an impartial adjudicator uh yeah good for problem when there's problems but yeah like angels are really richly like they're very thematically rich like entities and you know like it 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 is definitely like fat you know because uh, usually like maybe it's just cause people, I just have, uh, maybe I just read stuff that has just two strict genre conventions, um, to where like, I'm not having, there's not enough angel magic in my uh, science fiction. We maybe need to get yeah, more of that. Definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for, I mean like doom, the new doom series does that as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's weird angels in that, um, as well. Um, uh, yeah. Like, yeah. I don't more, know, the only thing, the, the summary I remember for that was like, oh, he- heaven is complicit in hell suffering, and that's why it has to be destroyed. Um, kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, the, se- like- the, 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 the expansion sequel for, uh, for Doom Eternal is, uh, has, a, has an interesting ending that I won't spoil for, for listeners, but it's very much a like, oh, okay, that's an interesting subversion of, uh, mm-hmm. of, uh, of yeah. that uh but uh but yeah but yeah fallen angels rule um, like uh <laughs> i mean also a big fan of uh ted chong's um uh short story uh hell is the absence of or was it hell is the absence of god about like what if angels just like killed a bunch of what if heaven and hell definitively exist but hell is just the absence of god's love so it's just like it you know it's not that obviously that different from the real world but like <laughs> um yeah and then like whenever angels show up they're just like sc- you know against biblical screaming things that like are you know they're basically like earthquakes and natural disasters and uh there's like a whole thing of like well if you know an angel's light beams you you get to like but like they you know they laser blast people and they like uh see visions of heaven and become uh, prof, you know, it's this, it's this book about kind of like struggling where, uh, and, and there's fallen angels in that one as well, where they're just like, they're just like float around and, and ch- they're much more chill than like the normal angels. And whenever anyone just like asks them, they're just like, uh, we, you know, whenever they ask them, like, why that, why are they fallen? Like, what's the right thing to do? They're just like, you know, we, uh, we'd recommend you just, you just choose for yourself. I mean, that's kind of what we did and that's all they ever say. Even though, yeah, yeah, I th- it's interesting circling back to the thing you mentioned about the like the the screaming wheels and the and the impossible mm-hmm. geometry type of angels, which I do love the oh yeah uh, those. But it was it was interesting trying to strike a balance between 
for designing the the angels in uh, in Maker in Heaven. When I was describing them to the artist, we would we would constantly at the beginning we were having trouble def- delineating between the the angels the players are transgenic clones of and mm-hmm. the angel players and so we came up with referring to the uh, the original angels as seraphim which is a type mm-hmm. of angel um and the player characters as angels um but mm-hmm. uh, there was definitely a thing with the with describing the angelic powers the divine manifestations of the players mm-hmm. um and describing the Describing the seraphim to the 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 artist was um, trying to strike this balance between something that looks alien and pretty in an uncomfortable way, but still makes sense to have been like spliced with human DNA. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we did have to do a lot of that, like angels having vaguely human form. Um, and then try to infuse that alien kind of stuff. And that came through the way that the divine powers, uh, the divine manifestations are, are described. Uh, so like talking about like having skin of obsidian and wings of fire and hands that are like branding irons, um, crowns of bone that turn away the wicked, um, uh a weapon that sprouts forth uh from uh from your body uh i think there was something about like being covered in golden thorns or something uh in there um yeah the the obsidian void proof skin um i think seven eyes that pierce the veil um mm. you'll see the truth or something like that uh yeah a lot of a lot of trying to describe the alien um and drawing mm. on i think in the original drafts it was a lot of how can i describe these angels in ways that makes them sound like they're made of jupiter um <laughs> so like originally there was a lot of like eyes like red storms and and things oh like that. nice um but uh, had to balance between having the descriptions be evocative, but also having the descriptions be literally the powers. So, right. uh, like mm-hmm. hands of branding iron was was a, was a pretty good one, um, uh, and the and the void proof obsidian skin was pretty easy. Uh, but uh, it was difficult with other things. Like, how do I describe the halo, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that is alien, but also that's what uh, actually conveys it. And when I struck on, when, yeah. when I struck on a crown uh, that turns away the wicked, it was pretty good. Um, by far, my favorite story from playtesting about that is a player took that manifestation, and then when uh, and the the scenario we were playtesting was they had to rescue a friend from a fire um, mm-hmm. uh, in a factory, and they're in this factory. <laughs> And um, they see someone and they decide that they're going to try and scare them into leaving rather than continuing to search for for people because this is like somebody in a rescue suit. Mm. And so they activate their crown to turn away the wicked. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, this fire is arson within the fiction that I haven't revealed to the player yet. And so 
I had the fire recoil from them because the fire was of a wicked nature because it was an arsonist's fire. And so they manifest this crown. And then I'm like, yeah, so the fire that is all around you recoils in terror. It pulls back. And he's like, oh, cool. Does the dude run away? And I'm like, no, the dude's trying to help people. He's a good guy. He's confused and scared but he is not in terror from your from your crown that turns away the wicked um uh uh, and that's not that's not like a mechanical thing it doesn't say like oh it, it there's no like blown out text that describes how each of these powers works it's completely up to the balance of the player and the and the facilitator but i was like it turns away the wicked. The fire was made by, by arson. The fire is wicked. Emerging mm-hmm. play through storytelling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Good evening. Oop, they did. Yeah, you just switched sound around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, I guess... Uh, yeah, so we, we've talked about uh, a lot about like uh, stories that you you want to kind of focus on with Make Your Own Heaven or make our own heaven, not yours. Uh, every, you know, it's all, it's Everyone all Everyone is free to make a heaven. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you're good, you can have one free heaven um, for, <laughs> as a treat. Um, in addition to our heaven. Um, you're a good little anarchist. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we, we've talked a lot about, you know, we're, this is a story about uh, a, a kind of, I guess the, wor- the word I want to say is like gardening where, you know, it's more yeah. about tending to a, a community that's already existed and that already exists. And it's about, you know, nurturing and, and sheltering it from uh, threats, uh, you know, that, uh, Im- you know, that impose that try to uh, break it up because it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they just see it as uh, a treat and, you know, just another yeah, set of the, resources to extract. It's about the hard work of maintenance, um, mm-hmm, for, exactly. for sure, which is the unglamorous work of true resistance. Like, yeah, uh, we often, often, uh, we glamorize uh, resistance as being like going to protests and and uh, and standing up to the police in in somewhat violent confrontation, but that is one part of resistance. And, and I think, I think uh, we pulled this out of the official, the finished product, but there was in one of the drafts, a paragraph where I talked about how you can't say, you can't stand up to police if you are worried about where your next meal is coming from. You can't bar police officers from entering your, uh, your shop and like buying stuff at your convenience store. If you then have to worry about the police harassing you or removing your business license, uh, or, or, or whatever. And so like building robust, independent, um, uh, support networks, uh, dual power, uh, is, I believe what it is, um, described as in, in some communities, um, these dual power structures or parallel power is also sometimes the term, um, 
where you are no longer dependent on the resources of the state um, for survival. That is what enables people to take strong, bold actions exactly. of resistance. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the look at the mining strikes in your own country, um, uh, the the coal mining wars. Uh, like those mm-hmm. were possible because those communities like stood with one another. Or look at the. Look at the Dust Bowl era farms uh, in, again in the United States when when uh, banks would foreclose on people's farms. You would have the entire community would turn up at the farm when they were doing that bankruptcy auction and they would all, everyone would just bid the lowest number and if anyone tried to bid higher, they would beat that person up. Yep. Um and then once they had bought the entire farm back for like a few dollars, they would just give, give it, it right back, back to the family that had, had suffered that bankruptcy. And, you know, mm-hmm. you see that in other places too. And so it's important to understand that violence has a place within resistance, but it is not the only only thing. Like I'm very much like a, I really dislike the idea that, we can only achieve things through peace, but violence is also only one tool, yeah. and it is a it is a tool that we definitely shouldn't reach to first. Mostly because it will be used mm-hmm. as an excuse against us. Yeah, right. um, but I'm definitely definitely don't get me wrong. I am not a peace is the only way forward person. Yeah, because that's just not true. That is flatly not true. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the resistance for like the coal mining strike was yeah it was helping people gather together so they could buy Christmas presents for the children of the miners who weren't making any income, and sometimes that yeah. was dealing with the cops who were trying to break up the protests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, yeah also, go read about Blair Mountain, uh, listeners, if you haven't already. Uh. And you know, if you don't want to, there's actually a role playing game about it as well. It's called mm-hmm. The Price of Coal. Um, yep. uh, I, di- I didn't write it, to be clear. It was written by, uh, I can't remember the, des- I remember the di- designer's first name, but I can't remember their last name. Um, but uh, yeah, Jen wrote the, the Price of Coal. Um, I think their name's Jen. Anyway, whatever. The Price of Coal, which is a, about being in the coal mining wars of, uh, mm. of, uh, of the East Coast of the United States. Jennifer um, Adcock. Oh, Jennifer. There we go. There we go. Yeah, definitely. And there's, you know, other games about these sorts of, uh, themes too. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but, uh, definitely recommend the price of coal. Um, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, like that. And I think that's a really, it's not a, it, you know, we don't, um, other than like kind of more, uh, you know, I'm also thinking of like other storytelling games, like, uh, you know, be, belonging outside belonging and, and quieter stuff. That's, there's not enough of, uh, I don't think there's enough of these kinds of games that like focus on like, you know, what it is to like be, because usually, I don't know, maybe it's just because the framing of, of what a player character is, is that there's something outside um, the community and, or, you know, but um, yeah. yeah and like it's, that's, it's, it's often we, we don't explore the, the maintenance aspect of, of building mm-hmm. community. And 
and I think that there are rising games that will ex- that explore this, and I know that there are games that I can't even that I'm not even aware of that are dealing with mm-hmm. this uh, topic. But uh, it's definitely an underexplored uh, explored one. I know that, um, for example, a reason that I stopped playing Eclipse Phase was that I realized all the parts of Eclipse Phase that I was interested in exploring uh, were the things that the game actually wasn't built to focus on like i'm not i'm not actually interested in fighting against the conspiracy or being a member of firewall Mm -hmm. i'm far more interested in what uh trying to make ends meet as a Mm -hmm. uh as a titan uh hurdler farmer um Mm -hmm. fucking uh with your nomadic uh titan caribou uh, I'm interested in what that is like. I'm interested in what it is like to be one of the the uh, Martian nomads um, mm. skirting around uh, the desert and uh, making ends meet. Um, what what is it like to be a uh, to be somebody living uh, out in the Oort cloud and uh, and trying to make ends meet? Like if I yeah. like. There's an eclipse. There's a there's an ex, uh, a role playing game of the Expanse, um, and first of all, that's not really a uh, looking at a show like that. I'm like, well, what would I do in this in this fiction? Like, I can't be the hero because that's right. that's James Holden and the crew of the Rosinante. I can't just slot into that role. So, what would I? What would I be like? I what would I be doing in this world? I think that the the role playing game of the Expanse should be about ice haulers and and rock hoppers mm. and uh, or maybe pirates. Uh, I guess the pirates would also work, um, but it's not about saving the solar system. I know that that's what the game is about, but it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Right. That, exactly. I don't think that that's a good fictional fit. Um, uh, but yeah. Uh, Whereas, like the Star Trek, for Star Trek that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, being one of being one of those those uh, one of the hero ships in the Star Trek Adventures role playing game that checks out. That uh, that less so for this. Um, and I definitely am more getting even more interested in like making games that are about um, exploring that sort of stuff. I had an idea for a game recently that was about like being um like border patrol for the Oort cloud and attacking um US drone colony ships that have been sent out to and stopping them from imposing on uh, on this like free uh territory mm-hmm. and then I was like if I make that game I then need to make like an Oort cloud ice farmer <laughs> fucking <laughs> fucking like what it like a belonging outside belonging game that is the other side of that mm-hmm. like what are what is in this this is the companion game for hull breaches that is about what are what do you what are you protecting like this is about being the being the farmers out on the edge of the solar system mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. uh trying to support the little island ice island uh, colonies around you and and what that's like. My favorite mm-hmm. game of Eclipse Phase I ever played was a was a, a murder mystery at essentially a country fair. 
<laughs> held out in like a rural station where like once every six months they uh they do like a do like a like a kind of yeah like a fair you call it in america we call it a a, a show mm. call it the the, mm. the 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 local show or the town show but like where they're showing off their produce and stuff like that was my favorite game mm-hmm. <laughs> of a good space ever <laughs> was and it was 30 minutes of like you know, just walking around the fair, and then it was ninety minutes of oh fuck, we got to catch this killer before they disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think it's also, I think it's also, um, you know, as we've also kind of talked about before, you know, the maintenance, you know, eventually they're 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 more of a gradient where these kinds of like you know maintenance of community, you know, eventually. You know, I, I'm thinking uh, for games that uh, Techdiff has run. I'm thinking of Lines in the Dirt, which was a, a game I ran out for yep. Spire, which was about you guys save trying to save your uh, apartment complex before it got uh, teared down in uh, fantasy gentrification. Um, oh yeah, like the Hawkeye uh, Hawkeye comic book. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and like Spire, I like I love Spire, and I'm, I'm thinking of like other games where it's like very specifically about um, you know leading a revolution. Games like Spire, where you're drow fighting the the high elf uh, colonial government uh, that's subjugating you, and uh, Brinkwood, where you're Robin Hood's fighting the vampire landlords and stabbing yeah, them, and, and all those are a lot of fun. And you that's know, like a great premise for a game too i just was i i was sort of in this space mentally where i'm like real revolution is not started by like one person that is us falling into the capitalist version Mm. of history where yeah that kind of great theory of yeah, the great man rates. theory. Like it's all individuals. Yeah, it's all individuals uh, that do everything, not like collective groups or communities that, you yeah, know, exactly. have like more staying power or, you know, can do more <laughs> than like we one even, person. We even see it in like socialists and uh, circles, right? So like a mm-hmm. common criticism or, or like a common factoid of of Monopoly, right, is, oh, it wasn't actually invented by the Parker Brothers. It was invented by this uh, this woman who I can't remember the name of at the moment, um, but it actually it wasn't. Like, she did a huge amount of work on it, and a huge amount of what ended up being Monopoly was work done by her. But this, but Monopoly was actually a game that was designed by a game design collective from the mm. early 1900s. Oh, I did not know that. Um, Yep, Lizzie that, Maggie that, and the Landlord's Game. Yeah, Lizzie Maggie uh, did a huge amount of work on it, but it wasn't actually designed by Lizzie Maggie. It was designed by Lizzie Maggie and a bunch of people, and then it fell into the hands of this dude, and then this dude sold it to Parker Brothers saying that it was his game because none of, none of the people in the collective had claimed it as their game. It was a thing they were all working on. Uh it, he was just like, oh, well, if we all own it, then I can sell it. Um, and, and uh, yeah, not to diminish the work of, of Lizzie Maggie, to be clear, 
because mm-hmm. she did a huge amount of work on it. Just to say that it, the truth of the, the story is even more interesting and complicated with the fact that the game was designed by a bunch of people. It was even more socialist and collectivist than the story of its origin normally portrays, right? Because it was a collectivist uh, creation um, and not not this idea, this brainchild of one person. Um, yeah. I just, I think it's a great to, I mean, it's probably why the other story is also popular. Like they both illustrate really great points. Like mm-hmm. if you are trying to, yeah. Anyway, that's a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like, I mean, I, I, uh, I think, um, in terms of, and, and this is all really nice. I think like there's a lot of really important stuff and really important and interesting stuff that's hap- that that you've done in, in your design of Make Your Own Heaven that is really interesting to talk about. Like in talking about how your characters are not the the special badass murder uh, person, but like you're trying to slot yourself into the, to this, like into finding a place in a community that already exists to just being able to try to like, you know, live long enough to like have a life that isn't just being a corporate assassin. Um, you know, that's, yeah, it's a lot of, I like, those are, you know, I know like we, uh, game RPGs focus a lot on the really exciting stuff and, you know, for, you know, the exciting stuff is fun, uh, to vicariously live through in a fantasy, but like, you know, talking about the grounded mundane, mundane stuffs, uh, you know, we don't get a lot of, there are not, uh, there are not enough stories of, of those kind of in RPGs, though there are, I think there are getting more obviously, but <laughs> Look, I definitely hear what you're saying. I mm-hmm. it is also worth pointing out that as much as I would love um, to describe uh, Baker in Heaven as purely um, this low action slice of life game, it is it is true to my description. It is a slice of life power fantasy. Like mm-hmm. it is a it is yeah, actually surprising. It is surprisingly high action. <laughs> high action uh Mm -hmm. considering like the game that we the game that i played of it most recently um was uh like had the player characters trying to like avoid police detection and they Mm -hmm. had to do they had to run across the surface of the space station but they had to run past the massive overworked uh heat radiators and so they were facing these radiation hazards Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the game before that was, uh, the players sneaking into this, uh, this abandoned ghost ship and then uncovering that it was a secret task force Decker base and Mm -hmm. that, um, they were mere moments away from being detected and then captured, Mm -hmm. um, because it was like a safe house and they had just barely managed to avoid the detectors um, a true testament to their training. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, it, it, and that, that to be clear, they were doing that because they needed money to pay off their, their, their aunt, their, their community mothers, uh, 
uh, debt. They had like a they mm-hmm. needed they needed to make a make a mortgage repayment essentially, and so they went to someone mm-hmm. that they knew. Uh, it was like, hey, we'd love to do some crime for you. Do you need some crime done? Mm-hmm. And they were like, I don't fucking know you. Here, you can go do this this like thing that has no risk to me task and then thinking it was going to be nothing and then it turned out that it was actually super dangerous mm-hmm. um uh and uh and and or or like that other other the playtest where they had to go into a burning factory and try and uh try and save their friend before the whole thing collapsed on everyone mm-hmm. um uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, it, it is it's a spectrum it is, of, of it's like still activities. falling into like those action tropes. You're yeah. just uh, it's just different sort of motivator. Yeah, and it, it's a spectrum of stuff. I mean, like it, you know, it's just like uh, it, it's just it's just uh, I guess like it's also kind of like in portioning and pacing. You know, it's those yeah. scenes are fun. The, there's a reason why people like those scenes and those kinds of moments in games. It's because they're fun um, to live through that uh, vicarious uh, power fantasy. Um, so I, we've talked quite a bit about make your own heaven and, and a lot of other stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess this is going to be a fun one for your editor. <laughs> yeah. Well, Greg's got a, got a lot of work for him. <laughs> uh cut out um which we love we love we love you greg for uh putting in the work um so yeah what what are the uh future goals for make make our own heaven if you haven't well at the moment it's kind of uh all of my work on it is done um there's not really Mm -hmm. anything planned i would like to do a print run at some point in the future um but uh that's that's uh that's sort of a that's a different kettle of fish Mm -hmm. um uh there's no real plans to do expansions or supplements for it i did actually think about writing a um writing a uh a a supplement set in the frontier wars uh Mm -hmm. for another game so uh, the Frontier Wars being the period uh, in Make Our Own Hoven yeah. when uh, when Jupiter was still being colonized uh, in its initial colonization. Mm. Um, I've had a few ideas for something set during that period, but I think for the most part, my my work on Make Our Own Heaven is is done. It sort of achieved its goals. It taught me about how to um, how to manage other people, and I and I made mm-hmm. something really uh, that I'm quite proud of. And now it's sort of a move on to other tasks thing um mm-hmm. which uh, yeah i don't have really the 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 short answer would be i have no plans to uh further sure. develop it but uh but i am going to uh going to be uh taking care of it and if i have an idea i'll i'll do something for it um mm-hmm. but uh, but for now uh for now i'm done with it and moving on to other other projects uh i do want to make some actual plays and stuff to help promote it of course um and it's only been out like three three or four months so like mm-hmm. it's still quite quite a new uh a new game um yeah um i'm on to on to my next uh my next heretical rpg uh <laughs> now i'm i'm raking a game called reclaim eternity uh which is set in a post uh post rapture world of uh of earth ruled by a uh, by god and his cybernetic angels the cherubim oh wonderful 
um, and it is about uh, it is about stealing the the body parts of dead angels and modifying your own body with those components and then breaking into God's house to steal his shit. Mm. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> it is uh, one of the one of the taglines is uh, is uh, we're going to teach God to feel fear. Uh, it is very. Very sort of cyberpunk, inglorious bastards uh, mm. fighting against God. Like there's a there's trying to design at the moment a game mechanic that is all about encouraging players to describe butchering angels in such mm-hmm. a way as to leave messages for God to be like, <laughs> "You're next," essentially, yeah. like. The, yeah, you you are you're stealing God's shit because you want to save the world and you mm. want to help people, and he's just hoarding this technology. But you're also vengeful because uh, because of what God has done to Earth, and so uh, yeah, there's this element of he has he who has made us live in fear shall now learn to feel fear. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful! I mean, it sounds like you've got uh, quite a bit of uh, interesting projects lined up um yeah and you know, and, you know I, I have adhd so i'm always working on like 20 oh, sure. projects at once so mm-hmm. you know there's that there's my space combat game um assault fleet uh centurion um centurion centaurus centaurus um uh and uh my my mech game that i'm still trying to get finished live love die uh which is a powered by the apocalypse mech game um that's 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 sort of waiting for a decent playtest, mm-hmm. um, uh, and you know a bunch of other things. Hull breaches, fucking uh, uh, another game about a bunny rabbit exploring a mushroom forest. Uh, <laughs> Utopia Planitia, which is a transhuman slice of life game. Like there's ju- just, just, just thousands of ideas oh, sure, that are yeah. waiting to be finished. Mm-hmm. And we'll be we'll be waiting for you to finish them. Um, so yeah, where can people find Make Your Own Heaven and and all your other all your work? Yeah, so Make Your Own Heaven can be fa- Make Our Own Heaven can be found on uh, my Itch store, which you can find by searching for Razor on Itch.io. That's spelled R E I Z O R, um, and you can find uh, Make Our Own Heaven there as well as all of my other work. You can find Black Skies of Babylon, which is this like combat tragedy where you control squads of soldiers going to their death um uh and a bunch of uh other uh great stuff there and you can find links to all of that i'm sure in your show notes awesome uh which we will place greg is there anything you wanted to add i know you're kind of gone there for a second yeah and uh, hop out for a quick minute uh no uh just very excited for make around heaven hopefully we'll get to give it a swing at some point in the future mm-hmm. And, uh, I would be happy to guest GM if you need it. Oh, well, absolutely! That would be a lot of fun. We'll definitely yeah. get that brought up and see if we can get that arranged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we had a great time talking with you, Ray. We did. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, and uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, our our table chatter, listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do it all for you. Good night, internet. Good night, internet.